Hello, everyone. Welcome back to A Priest and a Rabbi podcast. This is Father Christian. Uh, my, uh, my compadre, my comrade, uh, Rabbi Durbin, is off this week because he is doing what a good man of faith does is be with his family. And so he is on spring break with his family and, and his daughter, with his wife and daughters. Um, so it is it's not just me, though. Um, I have, have brought on um, Patsy and Todd McGregor to, to uh, walk with me during the show. And we're going to be talking about how to deepen your faith during challenging times. It, that this, these are the times that God shows up most abundantly in our lives. And uh, I have a theory though, and a a thought that I've seen this uh, happen uh, rather, I don't wanna say quickly, but I've seen this, the shining example of this, a lot in international uh, missionaries because they've been pulled out of their comfort zone and thrown in a place where they don't speak the language, they don't look like anyone else, they don't eat the same food and all their American comforts are gone. And so what do they have left? God. And God shows up and comes in ways that is beyond their understanding. Miracles happen. Rain falls on towns that doesn't fall anywhere else when they pray. I mean, just just why this great biblical stories that don't have to live just in the Bible, but in our daily lives. Um, and so we're going to talk to these two wonderful missionaries who have written books on it um, and hear about their stories of faith that will help us reflect on our daily walk to deepen our relationship with God, uh, whatever your faith background is. Um, so let me just welcome you. They just flew in on Zoom Airlines, um, and uh, they're, they're here um, in, in the Zoom studio. Uh, so uh, Todd and Patsy, uh, you guys are bishops, deacons, priests. You guys have lots of titles, doctors, but most importantly, you're children of God. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited for you guys to be here today with us. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. It's great to be here. Are you guys nervous at all about what's going to, you know, be, be, be come at you? Or you're like, we've, we've seen everything, Christian. You can't. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> a little bit of both. You know, Christian, every every time I get up to preach, actually, I'm nervous, um, and so I, it it allows me opportunity. You always let him speak to his people. Awesome. These are awesome folks. Um, They also authored books. We're going to put that in the show notes in ways that you can support them. Once you hear their story, you're probably going to be like, man, these people are doing the good work and I want to get behind that. So uh, stay tuned uh, to hear from the McGregors on this episode of Deepening Our Faith During Challenging Times here on A Priest and a Rabbi. Let's go. A priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi. The opinions you hear from on this show do not represent WSTU, since they probably regretted over allowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Bay Hayam or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, Grab your Bible or Torah and enjoy another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi.
Good morning, everybody, and welcome to A Priest and a Rabbi. This is Father Christian here, tuning in here in sunny Stewart, Florida. It is a joy to be with you here this morning, whether you're in your car or in your home or wherever you're at an office. Um, Today, we got yourself a great, great show. Um, I am missing my partner in arms, my wonderful rabbi. He is on spring break. Um, and he is out just enjoying his family. As we know, family comes first. Uh, so what I have here, though, with I had to bring in some big guns to be able to support this show. Um, and I brought in two uh, great friends, one of them who's now a colleague at the church that I serve at St. Mary's Episcopal Church. Um, I have brought in the McGregors because today on the show, we are going to be uh, talking about how do you develop rock solid faith, especially during uh, challenging, desperate, and chaotic times, or times of unknowingness. A lot of us have been dealing with a lot of unknowingness. Um, we are uncertain what's the next step. We've been seeing some, we, there's definitely some light at the end of the tunnel now during this pandemic, uh, but we always got things in our life that are keeping us in times of just question and, and doubt and struggle. And the, the key for us as people of faith is to directly just go right to God and find God in the midst of it. But sometimes there's so many distractions that can pull us away um, from just going to God first and developing that kind of faith. Um, I have found in my life that when I have worked with people who uh, have an experience of being missionaries, um, usually uh, international missionaries because they've been pulled out of their comfort zone for such a long time, that their faith just radiates and pours forth from uh, their, their being. Uh, and I, I'm going to just make a, I'm just going to conjecture here as a guy who's never lived abroad that that's because they have just been thrust out of their comfort zone and learned to depend fully and completely upon God in a way that some of us in the States, um, quite frankly, haven't had to or don't allow ourselves to uh, because we depend on some human structures and institutions. Um, We might have really nice health insurance. So our first step when we get sick is not to go to God, but to call our doctor. Um, God can work through the doctor, absolutely. uh, But we but, but if you're in a place where maybe it's not, it's not as easy to get healthcare, you're falling down on your knees and you're calling upon God to give you a divine healing. Um, and so that's a powerful, powerful walk with God. Um, so we're going to explore all that. What does that look like? And what can we glean from a missionaries? Because the McGregor spent 30 years, 30 years in the mission field in Madagascar uh, as a married couple. And also later then through the process became priests and bishops and planted over a hundred churches. Uh, but they're, they're not here for the resume builder. Um, they, they, they did this because this is where God led them and they were formed by the Malagasy people. So uh, without further ado, we have uh, uh, Bishop Todd McGregor um, and well, let me say Dr. Bishop Todd McGregor or however those titles go. And then also Dr. Reverend Patsy McGregor uh, the better half of this marriage. Um, and so both of them are here um, on the show. Welcome, Todd and Patsy, um, to a priest and a rabbi. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, you Christian. It's great to be here with you all today and to, yeah. be able to share from our personal experiences with you all. And so, uh, so everyone should know that we also have a, uh, another member um, of, of our team here today with us. Um, that is my son who's uh, 11 months old. Uh, normally he is crying, um, normally he's sleeping. He's sleeping at this time, uh, but he decided to wake up. So he is in my arms. So if you, later, if you watch the video po- uh, podcast of this on our Facebook page, A Priest and a Rabbi, you will see my son 
hopefully falling asleep on my shoulder sometime soon. So, but if you hear some cries, um, you'll know what that is. Um, so let, let, let's start right from the beginning. We want to get to know you guys, what's going on. Uh, give us a little sneak peek of who you were or what was going on in your life before you two said, let's go to Madagascar and let's go follow God out to a place we've never been to. Well, I would say that, you know, just to begin, I'm sure that my responses are going to be a little bit different than Patsy's responses. And in this case, th this was something that I that I sensed a calling. I ended up going to Nepal in, uh, in the early 80s and just had a wonderful time. Um, we were sharing the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and it just transformed my life. And I loved the idea that I was totally dependent upon God. But it wasn't until a number of seven, eight years later, after I had met Patsy, after we got married, went on to a seminary and so on, that, that we sensed that God was reviving this call, this missionary call to go overseas. And, and for us, um, it, it didn't matter where we went. It was just the idea that we wanted to be involved in evangelism, sharing our faith and theological education. And so when we, we heard that Madagascar was a, an option, for us, it was very pragmatic. Where is the greatest need? That's where we want to go. We didn't know anything about Madagascar except for the game of risk. We knew that it was vital that you had to have <laughs> Madagascar if you wanted to take over Africa or if you wanted to take over um, Asia. And so we went there. And, and for me, I think the compelling thing was my part of my vocation, that God was calling me overseas. And that the other part of it was that I felt so intimate with God when I was in Nepal and saw miracles and different things happening that I wanted that back in my life where I could be fully dependent upon him. So, so part of it was a vocation. Part of it was a sense of being so close to God. Um, and I wanted to fulfill his will. What about what you? was your vocation? Just real quickly, what was your vocation uh, before deciding to uh, go to Nepal or going to uh, Madagascar? Well, I, I was in the um, I, I was working as a director of youth and singles and uh, in a church here in Florida in uh, Pompano Beach. And so so I've always been somehow connected with the church itself. And so I sensed at six years old that God was calling me into the ministry. And uh, it, it eventually evolved over the years. And uh, I, I, but I, you know, we went to Nepal. I mean, when we went to Madagascar, I had no interest in ever being ordained. Um, my, my interest was solely to raise up the, the, the leadership and to raise up lay leaders. And so that's all I wanted to do. But God had other plans. That's right. That's right. And, and for from a denominational standpoint, were you an Episcopalian at that time? Um, at during seminary, I came into the Episcopal Church. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. So let's talk to your better half. Um, <laughs> so, so Patsy, I have a feeling that your story is a little bit different. Yeah, Christian. Thank you so much. My my story is a lot different. I had no no inkling or desire to be a missionary. And um, actually, I was on the field several years um, before I found my own calling as a missionary, 18 years, actually. But PT, 
prior to Todd or BT, before Todd, I was um, working with the Women's Tennis Association and we were running the, the, the tennis tournaments, the professional tennis tournaments, uh, the Australian Open and US Open and whatnot like that. So I was working in the office. I was office manager in here in Palm Beach Gardens. I lived with a professional tennis player and I was very much into the into the life of the women tennis players. And I was a very strong Christian at that time and loved the Lord and wanted to see how God could be working within the WTA, the Women's Tennis Association. So I had this desire to bring the gospel to to my culture. And my culture at that time was women tennis players. And I lived with a professional tennis player and uh, really enjoyed my job very, very much. Well, it might, you know, so, 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 since now, Patsy, you now work at, or you're called to St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Stewart. I just want you to know that, I don't know if you know this, over in Ross Hall, which is the building that's across from our church, um, the bathroom in there, the toilet in the women's room is a <laughs> toilet that was donated from Serena Williams' house. Seriously, Williams, since you are a tennis person and you probably met her at some point, she redid her house at one point. And so she probably never even touched that toilet, but maybe she didn't. So that that is a that is a throne of champions across the street. Just so you know, that is very cool. Thank you for that little tidbit of information and historical information for St. Mary's. (laughs) This is important for us to know these things. We we, so, but um, all right. So you two are out there. So then when, when Todd, you start feeling this call to go out to Madagascar, Patsy, what, what are your thoughts going through your head when this happens? Well, it was, it, my call really started before uh, Todd even knew my name. And um, I was praying for my church leaders and Todd was one of them because I was going to this church where he was. And it was a church of 1,500 people on a Sunday. So he was one of the church leaders and I was one of the congregants and uh, we were, were, were told to pray for our leaders. So I did. And then I sensed that I was going, that God was going to bring me into a dating relationship with this man and i i really um i really at that time didn't have any interest because i i had my idea set on a a christian businessman in the you know in a in a safe comfortable american world and i could sense a, a very strong calling on this man todd mcgregor i knew he had a very strong calling and I, I really wasn't sure if I wanted to be a part of that, but God, <laughs> God wooed me, God wooed me. And even before Todd knew my name, I knew I was going to marry him. Stop and it. I went on a, I did, I told Brendan this, uh, this story yesterday. Uh, I, I went on a three day fast and I wanted to seek the Lord because I was young. I was 24 and I just didn't want to get into a dating relationship, but I sensed the Lord was going to lead me into a dating relationship with this Todd McGregor. So I went to two people, 
and they were both my prayer partners. The one was a, an older woman in the congregation, and we prayed together hand in hand several times a week. And the other was my um, my roommate, a professional tennis player, and she would go on circuit, and then she'd come back and she'd say, any new developments? And I'd say, no, still waiting. He still doesn't know my name. And, um, and so as God would have it, he... God really um, convinced me that I was to be Todd's wife. And during our lives on the mission field, I think that was a really important time for me. That was a very important calling because as I didn't feel this, this calling to the mission field, I felt very called to be the best wife and mother that I could be. And it just happened that I needed to do that in a very different environment than I thought I was going to be doing that growing up. Okay. So let's, let's just, so today we want to be talking about how, how do we develop a rock solid faith? And it seems like from the beginning, God had planted some pretty big seeds of faith in you both. Yeah. So you guys were, so, so is that right? It wasn't like, yeah. um, you know, for you to trust God fully with finding you a mate for you to fast on that for you to say, this is the man I'm going to marry. You know, I know a lot of single women who I talk to, um, who are, who are looking to find a husband, a good Christian man. Um, I haven't heard from their lips some one time saying, you know, I'm just going to fast for three days, you know, it's so not saying that they're missing the boat on things, but you have, you're, you're a woman of conviction and you have a, a, a special relationship with, with, with God. Um, and, uh, so, all right. So you, so you guys have these seeds planted inside of you. Um, what was your vision of before you leave for Madagascar? What were you thinking it was going to be like? What was your preconceived notions of what life was going to be out there? Oh my! That's a, that's a great <laughs> great question. I, I I think you know. I mean, I guess as we look back, I, I don't know how much we had thought it was going to be like. I mean, we knew that it was going to be different. We knew that it was going to be a challenge. But, but we were so excited. Um, we, we were young. We, we, we felt like, okay, we're starting our ministry and this, this is really exciting. This is the thing that we have planned for a long time to go. And, and, and here we go. And so I guess our preconceived ideas were that we're, we're going to make this, we're, we're going to make it happen. We're going we're gonna to trust in the Lord. Um, he's brought us all this way. I mean, up, up until we actually left, it was, we didn't know what was going to, whether we were going to be able to go. We were just informed by our mission agency that, that they had changed their policy and we needed to raise another $40,000 before we could go over. And gosh, at that point, we just started praying and we said, we're going to call everyone. We're going to see if this is from the Lord. And we called everyone. And within 10 days, we raised this $40,000. And so, and this was back in the, this was back in the early 1991. And so, so our preconceived ideas were that, that God had brought us all this way. He clearly was going to continue to open up doors for us once we got into Madagascar. Uh, once we got into Madagascar, and and we didn't even know whether we were going to be able to get into Madagascar because they had a coup going on in 1991 in August when we when we came. So the airport had opened up for a little bit, and we were able to fly in. Um, it took us two and a half days. Our children getting severely sick. Um, 
and 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 us arriving there i mean and and to be received by the malagasy um they they're they tend to be very short people especially in the highlands but there were a whole slew of them 30 40 50 people that had come to the airport to greet us we we kind we finally felt like in some ways we were at home we didn't understand what home was going to be like but but they welcomed us and um and so we, there was a sense of real comfort i guess mm -hmm. and and i think on the other hand it was a sense of mystery for us we we didn't know what we were getting into um and and i guess that's part of our calling as well that when god calls us into these areas we're we're not always sure what that's going to be like i mean we can we can prepare all we want but our experience has been that as much as we prepare there's always twists and turns in in our mission calling and in our our vocational calling and we we have to be open to the transitions that come our way but were you prepared do you think for the transition of the the change in the quality of life because let's let's you know there's it's big you know when i my my, my experience of africa so far is going to ghana with my wife and i'll tell you i've been babied by air conditioning babied and that was a big transition i was only there for about 10 days so no AC, as as from my experience so far, is a huge transition. So what was that for you guys? Just all those immediate things that said, nope, life is different here. Well, I would certainly agree with you, Christian. Um, and Todd, he said it well. Um, it's certainly been a walk of faith for us because um, we did not go to Madagascar to get a preview of what it was like. We went sight unseen. And as Todd said, we really didn't know much about the country, although we studied up and we, we read books and um, Hillary Brandt's Guide to Madagascar, um, but we had never been there. We did not know the language. Uh, they don't speak much English at all there. And so it was a real learning curve. Plus, we took our children who were the youngest one is about the side the the age of your son in your arms right now she carice was not yet walking at 11 months and corby was just two and a half and so people thought we were crazy really they they really did <laughs> because they thought it was maybe not you weren't being a responsible parent by bringing these two young kids out to madagascar Yes, two young small kids to Madagascar, not much health care. Um, we didn't know much about the country itself, and it's halfway across the world. And what in the world are you doing? And um, we got a lot of feedback. I bet. Um, some criticism? Yeah, definitely some criticism. And did but, that change or affect your decision? Or did you ever have some moments like, honey, I think maybe we should take some time here and maybe allow... Some of our kids to grow up. I'm concerned about the healthcare situation. Now, I think Todd and I were on the same page from the beginning. Once we decided, once we real, because we were seeking the Lord, and we were in unison, and we both believed that this was something that God was calling us to do. And mainly, I believed God was calling Todd to do it, and I was to follow as his wife. Um, but in retrospect, I see that that God was also calling me. And and I I think as well even even though we had some uh, some pushback from family and non-family regarding all of this, um, it, it was a journey for us to trust in the Lord, and it was a journey for those who we were getting pushback from to to trust in the Lord. And and one of the neat things was that those who were we were getting the pushback from, oh, 
became some of our biggest supporters and prayer supporters over time, mm-hmm. which, yeah. I, which I find very ironic that the Lord was working with them as he was working with us. Yeah. That this was a faith journey that that we, we didn't know where we were going to go, I mean, and what we were going to do. I mean, we had ideas, but the Lord has directed us clearly in many different ways as a result of that. And we All had right, so, to, yeah. So just let's get a snapshot of just life was like, you know, Patsy, I've heard this from you at some points, like just simple things, just for us in the States here to get an idea of the world you're entering into that, how it was different than what you're used to the lifestyle. One of them, Patsy, you said, just, just basic things using the restroom. Um, I asked you if you had running water and you kind of laughed at me. So, huh? So a lot sometimes you just go and fight a bush and that's where you go because there wouldn't be a restroom. So that, that's a big change for someone in, in, in the States, right? Um, what were some other things like that that was just, well, we are not in Kansas anymore kind of moments? Yeah. Well, we've always believed in living with the people and living among them. And so we've always lived in community with Malagasy people. And when we went there in 1991 with our stu- two small children, we uh, lived with Malagasy people. So we had an upstairs, we had two rooms upstairs and then a, a guest room. And we did have a sit down toilet. Um, and so that was, that was good. We didn't have running water all the time. And I did have to wash dirty diapers by hand. That was not fun. And, um, and then, but we also lived out in the, that was in the capital of Antananarib. And then we also lived um, two hours away from the capital at a, in a very, very small village where our water would have to be brought up in buckets on top of people's heads and put in a big, what we like plastic garbage pail so that we could have buckets of water throughout the day. So it's never been really a joy of my mind to cook in Africa because it's been very, um, it's been charcoal little burners or electric burners. Um, being in the kitchen is not something that I really uh, thrived in for, um, for, for Madagascar. So it was a very different living for sure very different living for sure and for you uh if you todd what was there a point where like um were you just like when patsy describes you out there where you were like this is awesome this is amazing <laughs> this is great limited running water fantastic all right let's go even deeper and further i want something that's so different than what i experienced in the states or were you also being like oh man i think we made a mistake we need to get home I'm not sure how we're going to raise some kids out here. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I was, I, I think I was so focused on my call and mission, and I, and I did love it. I, I, I loved the times, um, whatever, whatever was happening. I saw God moving in numerous ways. I was, you know, walking up to, you know, hundreds of miles in the bush to share the good news of Lord Jesus Christ. I, I was, I was, I was excited. This was like on the cutting edge of, of things for me. And, and so it was quite important. Patsy had her hands full and, and completely did. And, and I must, I must confess that in the, in the midst of all this, um, it was, it was having an impact on our marriage. Okay. And, and it was quite, it was quite difficult. Um, and I, we didn't realize it till after we came back on our first furlough, uh, how difficult that was. And that was partly because I was oblivious to what was happening at home with Patsy and the kids. And I was out saving the world. 
and yeah. so it, it, it that was that was difficult but we, we we worked it out we were able to spend appropriate time together and and to work through that recognizing that family was an important issue okay so okay. so what was what was sorry sorry Lost a little audio. Lost a little what audio. Was, what um, was, where did you start to, oh my gosh, <laughs> sorry, I was trying to, I was trying to get my son. Okay. Okay. Where did you guys see, where did you guys see, um, sorry, we're having some technical issues here. Okay. You guys can hear me, right? Yeah, we're all good. Okay. Okay. Where was the moment where faith really started to be challenged the biggest? Was it with your marriage? Um, or where was the time where you've been like, God, I really need you to come through, really help us with this. We're really struggling. Um, wh where was that first time that it took you to a place where it was just on my knees, God, help us out here. Um, this is, this is, this is something that's beyond, um, our, we, we, we can't take care of this on our own. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, great would, question. I would say that it was, uh, our marriage for me, it, it was our marriage. Um, and, and just to, to reevaluate our, our family, to reevaluate my calling and so on. And it brought us to our knees brought a lot of crying and just working through this, that, that if God was really calling us um, uh, to Madagascar, which, which we both believed, we, but we had to, it, it had to be done within the context of a family. And that was something that I had to work through. Yeah. 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 I think and what was your prayer point. life like during that time, Patsy? Patsy, what was that like for you from, from a faith perspective? Like, what was it like? What were your conversations with God like? Because I want people to know, especially with marital troubles, right? That what, do you just go directly to the father and just say, give me the wisdom, give us the wisdom. Um, did you guys fast? Like, what did you do that a married couple right now that's having challenges, what could they glean from your experience? Okay, well, I'll give a little story then, Christian. Um, Todd and I were in the middle of one of our um, little rut runs, and um, I remember just leaving our, so leaving our our house in the in the village with the 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 water on the top of the buck in the bucket on top of the head, and going out and sitting under a tree. And I was admiring this big, beautiful tree. It was a, like a, well, a flame tree, which is, I believe, the Royal Ponciana here. And so I was under this tree and I said, oh, Lord, that is such a big, beautiful flame tree. And I just want to be like that in my relationship with with you i just want to be that flame tree for the world i just want to be that flame tree and then um i heard the little voice of god saying patsy wasn't that the tree that a few months ago 
you thought was totally dead because it had no leaves and no blossoms and you thought they should cut it down because it looked totally dormant and it was dormant and it looked dead. And I thought, oh, so that was a period of repentance. That was right there. I just repented. And then I looked over to another tree, which happened to be a pine tree and which was an evergreen. And I compared our faith with Todd and my faith. And it was like, I wanted to be this big flame tree, you know, just all out there for God. And, and there was my husband, the evergreen, the solid, we have lawnmowers right here next to my window. If that's what you're hearing. We had solid, <laughs> um, steady, evergreen tree. So I think that that brought me into a period of humility that I needed because I was judging my husband and I was comparing our faiths and I was comparing the way we worked in ministry. And, um, and I thought I was better. I was better. I was this big flame tree. And yet he was the evergreen. And if you know, Todd and I, you know, that we're very different. We are like, we are on the Myers-Briggs. He is on totally one section and I am on totally the other, you know, Mars and Venus to the extreme. So it's been a challenge in working this out. I'm very grateful for our, our strong calls. And we both really believe that we have been called out there and to call to be together in marriage, but working that out in a daily life has been quite a challenge. I think it's good for people to hear these people will see if you meet Todd and Patsy, if you come to St. Mary's and you meet these two, I mean, shining example, Christian couple, they are just rocks out in faith, full of joy. Wow. What a life. I want that. But to hear people like you saying, this is not easy. Yeah. This takes work. The walking, you know, faith takes tremendous work and a marriage, a Christian marriage takes tremendous work and there are challenges and there's times when it just stinks and it's challenging because we're just unveiling our insecurities. And so for all times as people of faith, that it doesn't mean that your life just gets easy, right? It just means you have a savior from a Christian context, but you have the, our father in heaven who's going to walk with you, form you, lead you through it. And just for the marital institution, so important for couples when I do premarital with them to let them know that it's going to get rough at times, but it's okay because through your faith, if you believe that God has ordained you two together, God will keep on showing up, but you have to be obedient to God uh, and see how he's forming you. Okay. So we're going to take a, a quick break. We'll work here. If you're just tuning in with uh, Todd and Patsy McGregor, uh, priests, bishops, deacons, all the stuff in the, in, in the Episcopal church, but most importantly, just devoted uh, folks to God who spent 30 years in the mission field. And we're talking about developing rock solid faith, depending upon God uh, with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. We're going to take a quick break to hear from the people who make the show uh, possible. And I'm going to see if my son will go to bed and we'll be right back here on a priest and a rabbi.
You're listening to a priest and a rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU 1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And I want to let you know that I have started a YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday, I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, last week was what do women really want um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor, someone to be there for you during a challenging time, and you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more of the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Welcome back to part two of A Priest and a Rabbi uh, here uh, on WSU 1450. Um, if you missed the first half of the show, we have a podcast. This gets edited, thrown in a podcast, uh, just uh, any on any search engine, put in A Priest and a Rabbi podcast, and you'll get the one with Matthew Dur- Rabbi Durbin and myself. Uh, my name is Father Christian at St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart, Florida, and Rabbi Durbin is at Temple Beth Chaim. Um, he is not with us at spring break, and he's off with the kids and the family like a good rabbi and good man of God should be. Um, and so I brought in some wonderful people of God uh, today. I am here with the McGregors, missionaries who've been on Madagascar for 30 years, planting churches and following God's call. Now back in the States, statesides, and they haven't been here for, for that long. So they are still peeling the onion back of what it means to be back in the States and what God is doing with them here. Reverend Patsy did not waste any time, though. She jumped right into another call. And she's at St. Mary's Episcopal Church as the director of spiritual formation. So we're reflecting on what it means for us to 
to, to really form these deep roots with God in our faith, to really depend upon him. Um, and the, the, the advantage of the mission field is that it removes a lot of our comforts away from us where we have to really fully depend upon God because we don't have our traditional, typical, just things that we have in the States that might give us comfort. Um, so I want to ask you to the McGregor's, um, tell me about now that you're in Madagascar, you're out there, you're doing the work. What did you, what were the, the people, the Malagasy people, how did they help you depend upon God in a new way that you hadn't experienced in the States? Um, I, I think for, for me, some of the things regarding the Malagasy was the relationships relationships were so important to them and they always they always wondered why i was always doing this and always doing that and always doing this and i think it was after our first three years that we that we realized that we had changed and 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 when we realized that we had changed we started looking at what 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 how is the malagasy impacting our lives and and one way was the fact that um, relationships were so important to them, and and I, I didn't I didn't um, you know growing up I, I didn't realize how important relationships were. I, I came from a mm. broke a broken family, and relationships you know relationships were there, but they they just didn't develop. And so it was really through the Malagasy's that I began to understand. What 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 are some deeper relationships? How do we establish this? How do we how do we spend time in doing things? Matter of fact, you know, in American culture, what drives American culture in some ways is the economy. You know, people or whatever they do, can I afford this? Can I do that? But in the Malagasy, when they deal with issues, they always deal with issues regarding relational. Who do I know? How can I build this relationship? How can we extend? And so so we felt that um, the Malagasy were went out of their way to to help us to be part of their family and their extended family, and so relationships were were vital. And so they taught me how to build a relationship. So um, how did that affect your faith? Did that help build your relationship with God, or, or what, how did that reflect upon your faith? Oh, oh, I I, I would agree. I would agree um, that it did. Uh, I, I would say that, for instance, let me just give you one example. Here we are. We're we're twelve years into the mission field, or thirteen years into the mission field, and and I struggled with having you know daily devotions. I struggled with having those uh, regular daily devotions, and I and, and it was through the through teaching on evangelism to to my students. Now I've been teaching evangelism for a long time, but I wanted to make it more practical because the the, the, the Africans tend to be very pragmatic, and so so I said, well, I started teaching. You know, what are some of the disciplines that we can create in our lives? And then I began to realize, if I don't do this myself, then this is crazy. And I had been ordained and so on, but I wasn't in a regular uh, devotional time where I was spending time with the Lord on a regular basis. And I created it in the tent for the for the for the the Kenyans it started with, and then the Malagasy, so that they could create a, a new rhythms of life. And it impacted me as a result of that. And so for the last 15 years, um, well, more than that, 17 years, I've been having a regular daily devotion. 
but it was through my experience with the Malagasy and with the Kenyans living with them. How can I develop something that is relational, something that is that is going to help grow in my faith? So we created that at the churches, we would have daily devotions every morning from 6 to 630. It wasn't a morning prayer. It wasn't a service, but we were all in the presence of others. And so there was a sense of keeping each other accountable. What about Matthew, you? Oh. Well, let me ask you a question about that. Is that uh, I, I, I have found uh, that the Christian walk, um, following Jesus, brings us right into the community. There's a tiny, 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 small fraction of people who are called into a, uh, a, a cloistered life or into a cave and to be an ascetic. But the, the majority, of God wants us out in the out with the people, working with the people. And sometimes I find that our culture as Americans, the rugged individualism that is a prize, it's a piece of our, of our culture, sometimes can run countercultural to this Christian lifestyle of being in relationship with the group, with the community, with the people. That's first. If I find in other cultures, here it's more individuals first, group is second. Um, did, A, did, did, you, did you agree with that? And then, and then B, did you find that that groupistic mentality helped cultivate your faith as well? Yes, Christian, thank you. I think, I think so true. As Americans, and America is our first culture for both Todd and I, um, we are very individualistic. And I think that's one of the strengths of the Americans is the pioneering. We can do it. We can get out there. And that's probably what got us to Madagascar in mm. spite of, of so many other people saying, what are you doing? This is crazy. And so that was a strength for us, I think, to get there. And then what a blessing of the Malagasy culture to teach us this importance of community and compassion and really love for your neighbor. And um, I think the Malagasy people have taught us to slow down and to, um, and as Todd was saying, be relational. Um, yeah, this past Sunday, I, I did a, a sermon and I included the give and go as um in Madagascar, there's a lot of beggars because it's one of the poorest countries in the world. And there were there are always people, beggars here would be homeless. They're always around and they're part of the community. And the Malagasy take care of them. And I would do my American thing and I would have my money folded in such a way that I could take out my bills one by one from my pocket so they wouldn't really know how much money I had. And I would do it as what I was calling a give and go. And I would just get it ready and I would give it and I would go. And then I, after, you know, after a while of doing this, it was a pattern and I felt the nudge of the a nudge of God saying, Patsy, what's his name? Like, I don't know. Oh, the, what's his, what's her story? I don't know what her story is and why she's on, uh, on the streets for prostitution. And I felt the nudge of God slowing me down and saying, um, get to know them, get to know their story. And so that compassion, that community of, that the Malagasy taught us 
really, I think, um, have helped Todd and I to become the people that we are now. So that as we come back to the United States and we, we have a homeless person in our courtyard, um, it's, she's just not going to be fed by St. Mary's community on Wednesday nights, but she is has conversation and friendship as well. Yeah, she gets, uh, we had the Salvation Army on our Lenten yes. uh, series and the Lenten for all of our listeners just means it's, a, it's the journey that we take as a church 40 days. Uh, mirroring Jesus' temptation um, in the desert, but also a time of repentance, similar to uh, Ramadan in Islam, similar to the month before Yom Kippur in Judaism, um, but this time of repentance and reflection. Uh, and so uh, often we have these Lenten series that couple that. So we had the Salvation Army come in and talk to us about about uh, what it means to really um, uh, spend spend time and to be enriched um, um, by our, our, uh, by those who, whom you serve and, uh, and to get to know people by, by, by their name. Um, and so they, they, they challenge us in really good ways, uh, with that. So I, let, let me, let me ask you, uh, y'all question. Um, so, so many people are right now feeling a bit, um, still might be feeling a little bit lost. They still might be, uh, there's a lot of folks who still financially are not, um, at a place where they were pre-pandemic. Um, they could have small businesses that went out of business. Uh, they could be in situations where health is still a major issue and causing them to have to live in isolation. Um, we're, not, and we're not out of the woods yet, we're getting there. Um, from your experience uh, of, of being just a couple state folks who said, let's go to Madagascar and all that you experienced, uh, what would be your your, your, how would you pastor? What would you be your wisdom to anyone listening right now? It says, you know, I still, I, I feel, I feel lost and during this time of the pandemic. I normally have a community I can really lean on that I'm comfortable with. And now I have to stay at home for a while because I have some underlying conditions. Like what, what's your, what's your thought to them spiritually uh, about to, 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 so they can come deeper into their faith to deal with that, um, those struggles. Yeah. Thanks, Christian. I would say persevere persevere hardships do come and um and life is hard life is hard life is not easy and especially now with the pandemic and the situation the way it is people are going through severe hardships and i would i my my word would be persevere and in that perseverance pray and um and seek god because he he uses it all and um we we may have more time now to to spend with god so use that time wisely and pray and persevere i think i would add to what patsy has said i i think perseverance is is uh, very important. Uh, I, I would just let, want to let people know as well, the fact is that, that God hasn't left you alone, that God is with you, that God will continue to be there with you. I mean, I look at our lives and so on as missionaries. I mean, you know, we've been robbed numerous times. We've been attacked. Our lives have been threatened. Um, uh, at one point when we worked in, I worked in Northern um, northern Kenya, I was on a hit list, uh, but God, God, through these difficult times is always present, and, 
and it just we need to just refocus our time and energy on on him he he he's there he's waiting for us to open our hearts um and to to be there to help us through of this time and and sometimes it's more difficult some pe sometimes people clue into it right away other times it takes a little bit longer that happens with patsy and i she usually is clued in a long time before i'm clued in in the situation um and i i just think that we, we, we want to encourage people that god god is there god is present and we've never felt abandoned by god um and, so, and all so can you can you can you parse that out because i think this will help folks who are in the midst of, of some serious struggles right now um when let's say you're on the hit list you're on this hit list your life might be taken at some point um i'm sure fear comes knocking on the door obviously um uh the anxiety you got kids you got a wife you you know you know where you're gonna go you're gonna go to the lord you'll be fine if you get if you get knocked off by someone but still you leave all his family behind how did you how did you channel that fear and then patsy also want to ask you how did you deal with the thought of that your husband's on a hit list right so where is god in all of that to give you a place where you're not like oh everything's gonna be okay um but how did it bring you closer to god that that experience well i i think um with me when that that came up we spent some uh i i spent more time in prayer i spent more time with um um some friends of mine i i called some friends of mine and um and so we would continue to spend time praying together uh not wanting to stop with the work that god had done and it, interesting enough the lord opened up more avenues more windows that i could never imagine um and and created opportunities i mean one, one place uh, we were told um that that if we were to go in this area our lives would be at risk and 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 but we trusted the lord went into this village and um and spent three or four days five days and and lots of people ended up you know coming to faith in lord jesus christ wow. When we wow. were leaving, they said, pray. They said, pray for us. One of the elders said, pray for us. And I wasn't a bishop then. And I said, okay, we'll pray. Why? He said, we haven't had rain in two and a half years. Well, within that next week, it rained for a day and a half. And it only rained on that village. Now, oh, my gosh. I mean, I, That's you know, biblical. <laughs> it, it, you know, the Lord opens up these avenues. And, and you know, um, there is tremendous fear and i i kind of feel like you know the resurrection remember the resurrection after all the apostles saw jesus after he resurrected and some were filled with fear and some were filled with joy and i and i feel like sometimes my life has that combination of both being full of joy and full of fear and yet having to trust in the lord and move forward um all right. Well, so so I know that we're 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 nearing the end of the show here, and 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 Patsy, I have a feeling that I know that we might not be able to get to you with your responses, but I know you have documentation because you are an author, <laughs> and so and there's going to be folks here who will listen and want to know more because because I think we can learn so much from you all about how do we develop our faith um, as Christians, especially during challenging times, Patsy. Can you tell us about some of the books and where people may be able to find and hear these stories and your, your, your journey of faith? 
Yes, Christian, thank you so much. I can answer the question and also display the books at the same time because that's actually my answer to your question is how did I remain strong is I journaled. And these journals, I had no idea that I was writing books, but journals and thoughts and and keeping keeping a dialogue with our relationship with God has turned out into books. So you can buy these on Amazon.com or get a hold of me at St. Mary's and they can we can send one to you and it's just a it's a documentation of the faithfulness of god in our everyday daily lives so so the names of those books this one is a uh, guest in god's world and that's about our first 11 years in madagascar and then we went to kenya and that's when todd was on the hit list and that was that's called the detour and um this last one living in a slum for three and a half years in the poverty of madagascar and right next next to witch doctors and ministering to the witch doctor's daughter she became the first um priest in the anglican church and that's called tamana at home in africa and the other thing that i would just like to add is the fact is that you know we we started this new diocese in madagascar diocese of tuliar we went from 11 churches to 110 churches over the last 14 years and we've been able to create this this new culture and it's quite exciting and it continues to go on continues to grow and and if people want to be involved in that we we set up an endowment and um and people can contribute toward that uh, if they want to contribute toward that, they can send it either to St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Stewart, or they can send it to our, our sending agency, um, Sam's USA in Ambridge, Pennsylvania. Um, and it goes toward uh, the McGregor's Fund, the, the endowment that's been set up. We'll put all that into the show notes if you're checking out the podcast or if you're just tuning in. Check out the podcast, subscribe to our podcast. You can get here more great people like the McGregors. It's a priest and a rabbi. Um, and also you can support the podcast as well to continue to get and hear these great voices of faith from the Judeo-Christian uh, background. Also, if you're curious about more of leading into your Lenten journey and learning more about Holy Week and Easter, St. Mary's has got a ton of stuff going on going on with our Holy Week schedule. So just go to stmarys-store.org. Patsy and Todd, thank you so much for being on the show. God bless you both. Thank um, you. You can come visit them at St. Mary's. Until then, we'll see you next Friday here on A Priest and a Rabbi. God bless you. Thank you. Bye.